0: All right, well I've been gone for a couple weeks, but trying to keep up on the uh, audio file and make sure that I'm tracking with the class here. So in today's section, um, the nature of God, we're in theology proper, his love is sure. So we're gonna do a little bit of
1: something. (laughs) We're gonna make
0: noise. Muting. Other way. There we go. Other way. Other way. Okay. Um, let's go over some of the attributes of God again. There are the incommunicable, incommunicable attributes, and the communicable attributes. So we've talked about those several times in this class. Do we remember what the incommunicable attributes are? of God. Say it again? Things of only God. Only God? So what's communicable? Things that we can as Okay, good. Yeah. Um, attributes that we can possess somewhat of, right? So the incommunicable attributes are those that God does not share with another. Those are his and his alone. And those are the ones um, that we can uh, see surely that we can uh, just really love and enjoy and know that our God alone holds those those attributes. And then the ones that we share are attributes that God allows those made in his image to replicate in some degree, right? In some fashion or form, sometimes more and sometimes less depending on our walk of life, but we can share some of those attributes. Any questions on those again, just so we can reiterate them and, and touch base on them? Everyone feel comfortable knowing the difference between the two? Okay. Keep in mind that every communicable attribute has an incommunicable side to it. Uh, We reflect God, but only to a a degree. What's um, an example of only to a degree? Okay, love. How do we only replicate that to a degree? We don't have a comprehension or a full capability of the love that God has, and a copy of it. Copy of Okay, why not? Just we're limited. Very, right? Yeah. <laughs> Extremely limited. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, do you have an, uh, any other examples? <laughs> Love's a great one. What else do we reflect somewhat of God? Any ideas? Absolutely. Yeah. Knowledge is is a big one, right? Because what do we do every day? As long as we're alive, what are we doing? We're learning, right? We're gaining knowledge. We're growing in in some aspect, whether it's biblical or scriptural or not. um, We're we're learning new information every day because I don't know what's going to happen five seconds from now. And I'll learn it and then I'll learn the next. But God already has all that information. He already had it from the beginning, from before we were here, right? So We can't know that like he can, but we can share in it and enjoy it and know that we're reflecting him and his image because he's created us that way. And, so.
1: and it's just so amazing that everything he possesses and does is perfect. Yeah. And we, yeah. everything we possess and do is imperfect.
0: Yeah.
1: And so it's just hard for us to even wrap our minds around that.
0: Doesn't it show our great need of our God and our creator, the one who designed us every second? I know we don't stop and think about it. I surely don't. Um, But when we study stuff like this and go over lessons like this, it it helps to stop and and just remember how minute and finite we are and and how much we need from our, our God. All right, so... Today we are talking about the exciting subject and topic of God's love. Um, It's it's a big topic, it's a big subject that it's hard to wrap it all up. Um, And in these classes, again, we're just touching base on a lot of basic Christian theology, um, especially how we teach it here at our church. So we're not going to get so in-depth that we're going to cover every minute detail because we could do this for three months probably on a lot of these attributes right but we want to go over the basics and make sure we all have the same starting point and that uh, we have a good understanding of what God's love is so God's love is eternal sacrificial immeasurable and totally good Let's start there. So what do you think of as saying God's love is eternal? What first comes to your mind right now before we go through all this in the class? What do you think of when we say God's love is eternal? Forever? Forever? Forever. Before and after. Endless? Before? It's
2: not end, it's not begin.
0: Okay. All okay. Good. Those are good starting points. Sacrificial? What pops into your mind when we hear that? God's love is Sacrificial? How is it sacrificial? The
1: cross. The
0: cross. Yeah, cross. yeah greatest example we'll ever have. And why, why is it immeasurable? What do you think of when we say immeasurable?
3: Possible to know the depth yeah. of God's love.
0: Yeah, that's the part where we don't get fully, right? We're, we just have pieces of how to reflect God's love. And um, typically throughout a Christian's life, we'll gain more of that day by day and and week and month by year right but um his his is full and complete and completely immeasurable and totally good and why is it totally good yeah god is the definition of good he is the standard right well excellent um Let's open our Bibles, and let's look at some of these passages that we have up on the screen here. If somebody can get Deuteronomy 7, do I have a volunteer for that? Mandy? Um, Jim, if you'll get 1 Corinthians 13, and then does someone uh, grab Ephesians 3 for us? Okay. Ephesians should already quoting me. <laughs> Already quoting. Okay, let's all turn and look at Deuteronomy 7, where we can just read along real quick. Do you
1: guys have pages 5
2: and 6,
0: maybe
2: in the decks?
0: you guys uh, have 5 and 6? Yes, sir,
2: thank you. Yes. Yes, sir. Oh, thanks. Yep. Oh. Yep, we have
0: extras. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start. Deuteronomy Chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. What does this say?
2: It was
1: not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and
0: chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has
1: brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt.
0: Okay. Good, so what is God saying about his love here in Deuteronomy 7 to his people? He didn't set his love on them because of what? Their status. And, when, and what is he saying about their status? They're small. They're small?
1: Insignificant.
0: Insignificant?
1: Insignificant.
0: A people to be proud of? No? No? <laughs> no? Okay, so... God is—it's looking like He's having pity on these people, right? They're possibly the weakest people in the nation, in the area, in the territory, in the world, possibly. Uh, but God chooses to love those who are unlovely. Right? We're seeing that as He's telling this to them, as He's expressing His heart for His people. Um, God's love's coming out for those that are that are weak, that are insignificant, that don't have um, basically a fighting chance. So we're, we're seeing an example of um, part of God's love here in Deuteronomy. What about in 1 Corinthians 13? You want to flip back to that and we'll follow along as Jim reads that for us?
3: Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish
4: away.
0: Okay. Wow, we're seeing a lot here in this passage. So, God's expressing what love is. And there's all kinds of stuff in this passage. What sticks out to you as we read through this? I know several of you have have read this multiple times, and obviously we went over it in the sermon series, too, but what really sticks out to you in this passage of God's love? Patience. Patience. Very very first one right there, love is patient. (laughs) Praise God for that, right? I would say selflessness. Selflessness, absolutely. Unconditional. Unconditional. That's pretty important. Based on our nature as humans, we, we've already seen the example of uh, how good we are at holding up conditional agreements, right?
1: Very humble. There's no, no room to be pride, or prideful in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Patient, kind, not jealous, not arrogant. It's all
0: uh, acts of humility. Acts of humility, yeah. And as we're looking at this list and we see what, what God says love is and we know that he is the fullness of love, um, it's typically pretty easy to compare ourselves to this list and say, oh yeah, I got that one, I got that one. And then it gets to a point where you're like, eh, you know, <laughs> maybe I could work on that piece a little bit, right? Again, where we fall short uh, God will never fall short and has never fallen short in his love. Uh, the fullness of God can be encompassed perfectly, but we cannot. Right? This, is, this is a love that God holds all these attributes in. Yeah, we, we send, uh, tend to struggle and, and suffer through some of these where we don't hold that uprightly, perfectly, even as Christians in our daily lives. Okay, well, let's look at Ephesians 3. Slip over to that, and if you'll start in actually verse 14 and read through 19, let's take a look at that together. You get that? You want to start in 14 for me?
2: So that Christ may dwell in your hearts, True faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God.
0: Okay. So knowing the love for surpasses all knowledge... What do we see in here in this passage? Christ may dwell on your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may able be able to comprehend with all the saints.
2: Give us a better understanding?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, better understanding of who God is and what His love looks like. Because He's, the author here, is wanting believers to understand God's love, right? As we read through this, Christ may dwell in your hearts, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend. With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge. I find it interesting that he's saying with all the saints and not on your own. What do you think about that? When you think the writer expresses that in there. Thinking of God's love and how we're going to understand it, how we're going to experience it, why is it important to do it with the saints? They have a broad perspective or
3: vision of what it is. You may love somebody differently than I would love them. We can see those attributes and characteristics coming out from all of the saints and
0: the different types of love that they provide Mm -hmm. to each other. So how are these different types of loves you're talking about shown? Well,
3: like earlier on in the First Corinthians passage Mm -hmm. where somebody may do it in just one aspect of that versus the others. Okay. One may have, you know, total... Compassion, one may have, Good. giving nature, mm-hmm. just all of
4: the different ways
0: you can express love. Right. Right. So do you hear what James is, is saying over here? To, to learn what God's love is like, we, we do need the saints, which is the body of Christ, right? Because one's going to show God's love in a way of compassion, Uh, Another could be showing God's love in a way of giving. Another could be showing God's love in a way of of friendship, encouragement, admonishment, (coughs) coming alongside you to help in in the struggle you're having or to shovel your driveway, right? When it snows and and you're not physically able to do that. So it's important to come along the church and do this with them uh, because you can't understand God's fullness and his love as much if you're trying to do it by yourself. Think of the folks that you've talked about or talked to that say, you know, me and God have our own relationship and we do church at home and, you know, I do it in the mountains or I do it fishing or my family just does it by themselves. And it seems like there's more and more people that I've talked to in my life that will express that, that they're anti-religion, right? They don't want to go to an organization to worship God as a body. They think that they're okay in their own relationship at home with them. But if that person is a believer, and they're trying to learn and understand God's love, but they're not able to serve in any way, or they're not able to be served in any way, they're never going to be able to understand it as well as as a local body coming together and doing this, right? Coming together, learning together, studying together, eating meals together, going to each other's houses, meeting up in the middle of the week for Bible studies, all that stuff that uh, God allows us to do and we're encouraged to do, that's that's how we experience God's love more and more and more, and we continue to learn more about it every day.
3: not only do we need that, but if we experience God's love, we should have that love mm-hmm. for the other saints. Yeah. I mean, there, there shouldn't be a desire to separate ourselves. We, there should be a desire to join with mm-hmm. the other saints. Yeah. And love them, minister to one another. But, I mean, that's, that's what God's love is all about.
0: Right. And, and God's love ex- is expressed in giving and doing for those that he loves, Right. And so if, if we're going to be reflecting that, we would be doing that, too, instead of getting in our own little corner and, and blocking everyone else out, right? So yeah, the more we are able to do that, the more we're, we're seeing what God's love is like by serving others. Yesterday
1: I was talking to an agnostic friend of mine, <clears throat> sent me a video and wanted to know my thoughts. There's a YouTube video from an atheist that was put out that was talking about how it's, it's pointless to talk to Christians about their belief system and have debates about logic because from his perspective, uh, you know, our, our faith is ingrained in us through religious behavior like going to church and being in community and finding identity in a community. Therefore, talking about logic is never really gonna crack the Christian. And he kind of was saying at the end, you know, if a Christian goes away from their church for a year, yeah, see how good they do whenever they have to just deal with logic and they're away from their community, which has this presupposition built in that that is apparently the standard for how we know things are true is if we go out by ourselves into the woods and, you know, we find out if what we believe is right, right, when like God has designed us as relational beings, that we would be in community with other people, and that is how we find stability and strength and encouragement and knowledge is by being with people. And so, yeah, uh, you know, God's love is just another one of those things that we we have to have community to experience and understand the love of God in the fullness sense that full sense that God has
0: for us. Right. That we're able to experience while while here on earth. And, and God's. God's love for us is, is great. It's grand. He really does rejoice in us. And he rejoices, he rejoices passionately about every soul that is saved. And I know I can speak for a lot of you here because I've had conversations with you. You're here because you're looking for the, the fellowship of other believers. Because um, your relationship with Christ... And has grown, it has developed, um, several of you it's, it was established outside of here right before you started coming that's how that happened and that's how that played out and you are drawn to a people of God because you're starting to receive God's love personally through his word and through the Holy Spirit but you desire more I desired more, right? I wanted to come I wanted to be a part of a body that um, could, could help me learn and grow and um, understand God better. And I know there's several of, of you in here doing that same exact thing. That you're excited to be with the people of God. Uh, because you have that desire. Because you have that passion. Because God's heart is reflecting out of you in that way. Yes, Steve. What you got? Uh,
4: in Job 5.7 it says, uh, Happy is a man whom God corrected. Therefore despise not to chastise you for the Almighty. So it's like... Wow, well, that's that's good to know. Yep. Uh, at least I'm in the, I'm in the area where he wants to chastise me. Uh-huh. I mean, what if he did to want to chastise? You know, I actually can really be hurt. So the one
1: whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, right? What's that? The one the Lord loves, He disciplines. That's right.
0: Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And this this level of of love, uh, James mentioned at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, agape love. I think a lot of us have heard that term, agape, um, and it's a, a term that has been applied to God's love for uh, his people, uh, for himself, for his son, and the relationship he has. And it's a different kind of love than um, other, other types of love mentioned in the Bible. There's brotherly love, there's um, uh, the love of, uh, you know, the physical attraction. To, to other people, there's um, different types of love, but agape love is, has been um, historically the word that's, that's been used to express God's love to encompass its fullness and, and totalness in what kind of love God has. The kind of love that we're trying to understand and, and learn and grow from, which that type of love is the one that's immeasurable, right? And it's uncomprehensible to its fullness, But as we continue to grow in uh, our relationship with Christ, we should be growing in our relationship with the body together. That growth happens at the same time. And that's how we continue to experience God's love in a a deeper and and more fuller way. There should always be a desire in you to want to know more and understand better what God's love is for uh, yourself and for his church and for his people and again, that's another reason I, I think a lot of us are here together is we have a desire to know more of God, to know more of what his um, heart is for us. And uh, sadly, God's love is one of the most misunderstood and misapplied doctrines in the Christian faith. And not only the Christian faith, right? In the whole world. Do you have an example of what that would look like in the Christian faith? How it's misunderstood? And just peacefully loving and getting along with people rather than correcting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like you mentioned, not not being disciplined, right? Right. Okay, that's great. That's great.
2: Dax. That God will eventually forgive like everybody.
0: That God will eventually forgive everybody. Sure, mm-hmm. that is definitely misunderstood and misapplied. And, and used incorrectly, giving false hope uh, to those outside of Christ.
1: That his love cancels out his holiness.
0: His love cancels out his holiness, yeah. <laughs> that would be a big problem.
1: Doesn't matter how we live, he loves us, it's all right.
0: He loves us anyways, right? Okay, good. So, again, 1 Corinthians 13, we have it up there, but just a wonderful passage. Isn't it awesome? to be able to go back to this any day you want, any time. You have your Bibles on your phones now. You can open this up. You can crack open your Bible in the morning. Um, And if you're feeling uh, a little down, a little lonely, a little left out, any morning, any day that you get up, you can still find God's love right in front of your face. Uh, And if your eyes aren't working and you can't read, you can probably find it on a, a... a YouTube or a podcast and have it read to you. The apps, our app will actually, you know, read the uh, passages out loud to you as well. But he's given us that to, uh, to hold and to know and to have in our, our hearts. The more familiar we get with passages like this, the more we're going to see it in our life as we live it out. And we should see this in the context of the church as we are... Um, building our relationships with each other and loving on one another as you're calling someone or texting them to ask questions or get an update in their life you know passages like this you can you can see playing out and what aspects of love is within that conversation or if someone's reaching out to you and they're asking you questions and they're within the family of God you can you can see the love in a passage like this coming out through them, being reflected. And they're likely not reading this passage going, okay, I'm going to make sure that I'm not jealous, but I'm rejoicing, and uh, that we're going to believe all things. Okay, let me call them real quick. You know, it's usually not that. It's just God's love reflecting, His love reflecting off of us to you, to each other, right? So I, I hope, you know, as... As folks reach out to you, call you, text you, want to meet up or have a chat, like you find joy in that, especially when it comes from someone within the body of Christ, right? It could be our church or or it could be another Christian. I've found myself getting more and more excited as I meet other Christians, um, you know, throughout, throughout life, you know, that aren't necessarily in this church, but are um, Christians outside of our local context and we can rejoice and, and have fellowship. That's always a lot of fun for me. All right, moving on on your paperwork there. Did everyone get those fill-in-the-blanks on the first line? Sorry, I didn't specifically say but it, the first one was sacrificial and then the last one was totally good. So here in the, the next fill-in-the-blank, God is Trinity, therefore he, he has... He has expressed love from all eternity. So Trinity and eternity are your fill in the blanks. Any questions? (laughs) What does that mean? God is Trinity. Therefore, he has expressed love from all eternity. A person can't
1: express love if he's all alone.
0: because he's not alone good I'm glad you picked up on that because God is what Trinity right there's three persons in the Godhead so therefore he has ex- expressed love from all eternity that's that's an amazing thought that's one of those ones where we're trying to wrap our mind around that and it's like okay I can read this and I can agree to it and I can say yes and amen and I can move on. <laughs> um, you know, trying to, trying to understand that is beyond our capacity at this point. Um, but it is truth, right? We cannot think of God's love in the same way that we think of man's love. Our friends and families have failed us in their love, but God will never Never will fail us in his love. The love of God is categorically different from all other loves you have ever known. And in the best way possible. And praise God for that. So as we're human and as we grow and, and live our lives and we're pre pre-before we're in Christ. You know we experience we experience love from um, lots of people throughout the earth typically usually hopefully our parents um, not always but typically from family from friends from neighbors from it could be coworkers, it could be all different sorts of sex of life but you know all of that's going to fail in, in some way or another it's never Going to be the love that God has, because it can never uh, be that encompassing, right? There's always going to be some selfish desire within the person you're receiving any type of love from for themselves. So we got to think of it differently, because God's love is just beyond what we're um, what we start with. And again, um, his word and his, his body as the church is where we can continue to um, gain knowledge of what his love is. Uh, that was the other thing in um, Ephesians that I liked. The very end of the passage where we read, And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. That this love of Christ surpasses knowledge. You know, it's also um, important to know that that love that Christ has for us it is more important than just pure knowledge. Absolutely and totally. We don't have to know everything in life or everything about um, Christian theology to have Christ's love and know that Christ's love is upon our hearts, right? It's, it's more important to know that Christ has that love for us, that we are in Him and He is in us. And it's helpful to know it more, but it's important to know that that love uh, is superior. Steve, you had a thought? You had a thought? Oh,
4: yeah. Uh, that part where it says our friends and families have failed us in their love, but God will never us in his love I think Joseph who was sold into Egypt really understood that <laughs> and uh, because his, their was, love uh, failed him didn't it uh, what they did to him was they sold him into Egypt as a slave and, and but you know at the end of this whole thing Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and said what you did was intended for evil but what but what God did is for something like for love or something like that yep. And so, uh, yeah, Joseph, who was sold into Egypt, uh, really experienced some
0: hard times, but he understood his relationship with God. He did. Yep. Yep, he did. Absolutely. God's love is why the Father sent his Son and why the Son emptied himself. Next line down there. God's love is why the Father sent his Son and why the Son emptied himself. Thinking about that, God has an immense love for us as his people and knew the price that had to be paid for the transgressions we've had, right? God's love is the, is the example uh, we see, you know, expressed all throughout scripture, but it is the supreme standard of love. Is what God is. Let's flip to First uh, John. Someone want to read First John, four, eight. Anyone who does not love
4: does not know
0: God because God is love. God is love. So most have memorized at least that second part. God is love, right? This is a great statement. It indicates that God's self-giving is germane to his very nature. God is love. He is the greatest standard of love that we could ever know or have known. showing that this is just part it is his nature in his nature it is love there's nothing beyond what God expresses that is outside of what God is let me find the first John over here you guys have thoughts on that phrase there God is love What do you think when someone says that?
4: I always think, well, people are forgetting the other
0: part. <laughs> right.
4: It's not just love. <laughs> yes, he is <has> love, but.
0: <laughs> we tend to get a little defensive, don't we? Yeah. Because love has definitions.
4: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah.
4: It's not just, and it's not the love that we think it is. Either. It's deeper. It's different. It's not. We don't know how to love the way that he loves.
0: Uh-huh. All right. Back in 1 John 4, 8, um, verse 9 reads, By this love of God was manifested in us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In remembrance of God's love and what he did to send his son to pay the price for us is the ultimate and unique sacrifice that none of us could have done to pay for that. Grievous sin that the world had, that we have as sinners, right? Right? And without God, there is no love because there is no standard of love without God. Right? So that atheist and that person that just thinks Mother Nature is God and anyone else that doesn't know who God is and understand the biblical God that has revealed himself to us through his prophets, through his scripture... Their standard of love is so much smaller than what God has given us. And those who don't believe in a God have no standard of love at all whatsoever. Because then it's up to their own minds, right? You've heard the argument outside of the subject of love, but what's the standard that you measure morality by? And if there's no standard of measure, because there's no supreme one that holds that standard, then love can be anything. In one's own mind.
1: That's why that, that self-giving aspect is so central. That it's agape love. When you think of uh, Philippians two, where it talks about Jesus emptying himself, although he existed in the form of God, he became like a servant. Mm-hmm. Like that's that doesn't make any sense apart from love, true love.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. God himself became. In the likeness of men, a servant. That's pretty
0: wild. So God could not give a greater gift than God, which is His Son. Anyone in here can quote Romans 5:8? Thank you. Good job. Gold star. (laughs) It's been on the poster out there for five years. Yep. God is demonstrating his love for you and for you and for you by what he did with Christ on the cross. Yes, Joe. Until I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior,
3: I didn't know what real love was. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yep. And it's so much
0: deeper mm. than what I thought I knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the love that we know, that, that we've learned ourselves outside of God, it's so limited. It it's only within ourselves that we feel that and we really aren't. You know, given a love that's expressed in a way that we can grasp onto it and hold onto it 100% without doubt that they won't fail us. Jesus is the only one. He is the only human that's ever been able to do that. And that's amazing. And it's great. And it, it continues to go deeper and deeper and deeper the longer you live. And you can see it more and more. Jim? James? Well, when you say God is love, you know, I, I think God is the
3: source of all love. Mm-hmm. And the atheist, even though he, won't, he doesn't know it or won't admit it, even the worldly type of love that he has came from God. Mm-hmm. It's a limited or whatever you want to call it, a small measure or whatever. But even that, that love came from God created as he put it in us. But until we know God, until we uh, become saved, until, until, he, until we see the demonstration of His love through our salvation and understand who God is
0: and His Holy Spirit's in us, can we really know? Him.
3: And even then,
0: we're, we're imperfect. Yeah, absolutely. We are imperfect still. But we have a better knowledge what yeah, what love is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our knowledge is gaining in that. Well, that is the attribute that is communicable as seen in First John 4.11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another, right? That's where we can share in this and grow in it. So as, as Jim's saying, as he's growing in God's love, He's also gonna be expressing it to James. And James is gonna see that. And God is gonna show James his depths of his love through Jim and whatever service or whatever, whatever Jim said to him, you know, any kind of encouragement or or something along the lines of you know the fellowship that we have with one another. And then James is gonna take it over to Joe, you know, and encourage Joe in some way, or say, hey, your tire looks a little low. Can I fill that up for you? Boom! Right? You know, that's God's love expressing himself throughout uh, the body of Christ. And God didn't love us because we were valuable. We are valuable because God loved us. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, Martin Luther said that. And Great quote there. All right. Any other thoughts on love? I got yes.
3: Out there. So, it just strikes me, the world, you know, we were talking about agape and... The humbling himself or humble nature. The world without God is selfish. Our love, if you don't have a God's perspective or that as your boundary or your guideline to it, our love is out of selfishness. We want mm-hmm. self gratification. We want to be proud. We want to be boasted and mm-hmm. praised for our love in a way. Well, sure. it's it's the God's agape love that we assume that is actually the selflessness mm-hmm. the dying to, self to to do
0: it for others to, right. to give in that, in that humble way and I see that expressed through parenthood with our children you know our love for our children most of us have lots of love for our children <laughs> most days most days yeah but you know what in, in ways that can be very selfish love too Right? When we want our kid to be the best at his science project at school or be the star football player or, you know, pick up where I left off on, on my baseball career mm-hmm. or anything along those lines. like I want him to go to Harvard and I'm going to make sure we're going to do whatever it takes. And, and I mean, the child can become an object of worship in a family and in a household. And it's based a lot off the parent's pride. You know, wanting to say, I raised that kid. That's my kid. Yeah, I did that. Right? And so even our, our beginning love for that child as the newborn and as the baby, and, you know, our heart goes to them, and, and there's lots of good in that. Don't get me wrong, but it quickly becomes self-centered. Fair. It's wrong, usually, if we don't look at it
3: from God's perspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we all got to be, you know, on guard with that. All right, let's go to justice. Next section on your paperwork there. God's justice is perfect and inescapable. He sets forth perfect laws and executes perfect justice. Oops, so you got your blanks there. God's justice is perfect and inescapable. He is consistent and comprehensive. Sorry, that's on the next part there. He is consistent and comprehensive. His justice is exercised sovereignly. So let's think about this for a second. God's justice is perfect. Necessarily, he treats people according to what they deserve. In all perfection of his justice, man will get what they deserve. It is also inescapable. Everyone will be judged. There's not one that will escape the judgment out of something that they do. Everyone will be judged. God is consistent. He is not partial. And He is comprehensive. Right? All humanity Could seem a little harsh, but a perfect judge has to be perfectly just. And that's not harsh. Well, we all want justice. We all want justice, right?
1: When it affects us. Uh, For good.
0: Right. (laughs) We all want justice when we're driving down the highway, and we're doing the speed limit, maybe a little bit over, but the other person, they're flying, right? And we all want justice for that individual. But... When we leave the house and we're 10 minutes late and we promised someone we were gonna be there and we just need to go a little bit faster, we don't want justice, right? We just wanna be able to scoot through and not have that apply to us. <laughs> but if someone pulls in front of us and you know, waves friendly at us, then we would like justice for that person, right? So justice is a thing where um, we want it when bad things happen to the world or to us and we would like justice on everyone else, We would like mercy or grace on ourselves. And thankful that God is not like us in that aspect. Right? Can't we be grateful that God will have perfect justice in his judgment? It is inescapable, and it will be consistent. Completely consistent. It'll cover everything. It's comprehensive. Um that being said, everyone knows that Christ paid for our sins within the church. And that's His love. that applies the grace and the mercy, which will be the next part on your, your paperwork that we'll go over. But that justice that you deserve, that Christians deserve before they're Christians, that was applied to Christ. Right? All that punishment for everything that we did, every sin that we've had in our life, that justice was not taken away and not applied to anything or anyone, Christ took that on our behalf. So that's where that justice comes in for the church. Let's flip to oops Deuteronomy 32, 4, so I got a volunteer for that. I get it. Jeremy, what about Joshua 20 verses 1 through 6? Yeah. Okay, got it over there. And then Jen, if you'll do Micah 6, 8. And then Matthew 23, 23. Anyone got that? Dex. Okay. Deuteronomy 32, 4. What does that say?
1: The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he.
0: Okay, so great. We're seeing Moses speaking of God's perfect justice here in Deuteronomy. Uh, God has perfect justice because he is perfectly righteous. God is the moral standard of righteousness. And Moses is expressing that here in this wonderful passage that we get to see God's justice come out. Okay, Um, did you grab Joshua 20 for us? Ready to go? Which one did you? You can read it.
2: I can read it? Okay? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> She'll read the next one.
2: I don't want to make it your wife. <laughs> okay. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, Designate the cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who kills any person unintentionally without perm- Premeditation, they flee there, and they shall become your refuge from the avenger of blood. He shall flee to one of these cities, and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city, and state his case in the hearing of the elders of that city. And they shall take him into the city to them, and give him a place, so that he may dwell among them. Now, if the avenger of blood pursues <coughs> him, then they shall not deliver the manslayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor without premeditation and did not hate him before him he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment until the death of the one who is high priest in those days then the manslayer shall return to his own city and to his own house and to the city from which he fled
0: Now, isn't that interesting as we're talking about God's justice? Why would we bring that up in this this section of our theology class? Any thoughts? God's protecting those from unjust revenge, and he gives refuge to those who are in need. So God is protecting his people from being unjustly judged in this aspect. You know, there was an accidental death, not meant to happen, but this person needed to run from probably the family member that would seek revenge and take his own life. Rex? That's it, exactly what I was going to say. We know full well. will. Uh-huh. Somebody's going to go out
4: after revenge <laughs> yeah. on this individual. Yes. And uh, without somebody there to watch over that situation, he's going your... to... End up killing that person. Right. But, yeah, God got to set that all up. we got a city of refuge where them are going to where we're protected. Yep. And, you know, and then one file if There is one
0: where takes place. Right. It's good. God set this up, and he told the leaders how to act and what to do. Exactly. It's amazing. All right, let's look at Micah 6.8. He has told you, oh man, what
4: is good... And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness
2: and to walk humbly
0: with your God? We reflect God's righteousness and justice, right? We're reflecting that. And we can't do it perfectly, but the better we know God and understand him, the better we can do that too. It's a...
1: A part of our commission, as people made in God's image, mm-hmm. and we have the Great Commission as Christians. But generally speaking, our one of our commissions is to do justice.
0: Do justice, yeah.
1: And that touches every area of our lives.
0: That's hard. Yep. Okay, Matthew twenty-three twenty-three. Dax.
2: Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you high. and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the
0: others. The weightier aspects of the law, which are what again? Say, say that again. Justice and mercy, mercy and faithfulness. faithfulness. So they're doing these uh, religious deeds, right? They're, they're giving of their produce, And they're not being just. And they're not being faithful. And they're not showing mercy. And God expects that. He does expect that. Isn't that amazing? Okay. Let's see what else we got here. Yep, there's Matthew 23, 23. And he's saying, Jesus is saying, whoa, to the scribes and the Pharisees. Because they are hypocrites. Because in their doing this, and they're doing the stuff that's for show. And they're not doing the stuff that's loving. They're hypocrites in doing that. We need to be careful of that too. We need to be in caution of doing that. It's probably easiest within our households, right? With our wives and our children. Making sure we pray with them and making sure, you know, we, we do things right. But um, not always seeking mercy, or faithfulness, or even justice. It's real easy to overreact to the children or even to our spouses in times of frustration, right? But we can reflect God's justice in doing that rightly. God's justice means this, all of the wrong things in this world will one day be set straight. All accounts will be reconciled. We can say hallelujah to that and amen. Because all those things where we have been wronged in our life and we haven't sucked out our own revenge and tried to get back and fix it ourselves, where we haven't, it hasn't been set straight and it seems like this person or that person or this organization or this country gets away with this and that, everything will be set straight. And all wrongs will be righted. And it will all be accounted for. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Amen. Let me take care of it. It will be the Lord's, yes. He will make sure of that.
1: This is almost like preaching my sermon today. A lot of my sermon is going to be on this very thing. Even that verse.
0: God's, God's justice also means this. All of the wrong things in your life will be dealt with one way or another, like we just said, right? As the perfectly just judge, God is the standard of truth and what is right. That's the last line on uh, fill in the blank there. I think it's on here, right? That whole phrase, you can't judge me. Well, yes, you you can. <laughs> but as we're saying here, and your, your primary concern should be the judge's judgment. Because my judgment on someone else and what they did wrong uh, is not all-encompassing, and I don't understand where their heart's at. And I could be in the wrong for all I know on some of the things that I'm judging on. But the judge, the ultimate judge himself... He will know because of all of his attributes. Right? There it is. As a perfectly just judge, judge is the standard of truth and what is right. True justice always rests on the righteousness of God. How amazing is it that God's omnipotence is matched by his justice, his power is only good. I think that's the last one here, right? Yeah, I'll leave it on that. Um, Justice is part of God's love. Without justice, God would not be righteous and the ultimate standard, right? God is the ultimate standard and he has to be that of justice. So we can be thankful knowing God's omniscience, omnipotence, and righteousness and his justice, right? God knows all. He sees all. We went over that. God is all powerful. And therefore, he can judge rightly and perfectly every single time. Because if he didn't know all, and he was waiting to find out, and he was waiting to learn something, or if he didn't have the power to correct a wrong, we'd have little hope that this would actually occur, that he would be a judge that can finalize what needs to be done. He judges.
4: Because of the heart, he knows, he sees, we have this outward
0: appearance, Mm -hmm. that man would would judge, but God judged Mm -hmm. the heart, the intent, the actual intent. Yep. Okay, that's what we got for today. So let's pray and we can uh, go fellowship together. Father, thank you for um, expressing your love in your word that we can gain from that every day of our lives and not only from your word we can gain from your body from the relationship we have with those who are in christ and we thank you that we can be loved by you and that we can reflect your love to others and we're grateful to know and hear and learn about your justice lord that it will be served perfectly and rightly and we don't have to be the ones worried about um, judging but you will do it uh, as you should in your way and in your time We pray for the fellowship for the rest of this day, Lord. May we bless each other and just honor you and what we say and what we think and what we do. In Jesus' name, amen.